When God claims the life of a child, immediately we turn to our loved ones, husbands, wives, parents, pep-peps, step-peppers, and we ask why. Why was someone with so much promise stolen from us? Why couldn't he have taken someone older, like a man I know named Greg Pitterman? Have you lost your son? He was so young. What if I told you that you could have your son back? What? Who are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Gad. And I'm here to introduce Red Bull. Boy from Red Bull. You know from the makers of my new Pep Pep. Red Bull. Boy is almost identical to your original son. All the difference is he's better. As years go by, your Red Bull. boy will be replaced with older Red Bull. boys, and you can continue owning your Red Bull. boy for as long as you live. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Red Bull. Boy from Red Bull. It's episode 166 of View from 202. Uh, after four points for the New York Red Bulls, uh, Kate, uh, courtesy of uh, none other than, that's right, the biggest player, budding starlet of America and FC Barcelona and the world, Caden uh, Clark's bud with a K, like, you know, the, the chalkboard that's like lay Katie in Lee. Lakin. It's like that. Kate, K-E-I-G-H, then. Uh, Clark. Uh, I thought I thought it was a nickname that his his like his first name is Muhammad and his middle name is Kada, <laughs> but he he's always gone by Caden as like kind of like a Robert mm-hmm. Bob thing in school. That, that's how you Minnesota eyes that name. That's right. understandable. That's the naming format. I'm going to name my children after Muhammad Kada and then a, a filler name and then last name. I, that's my expectation. So we are joined today. A very special collection of guests for now. None other than Freddie and Marty, the hottest new acquisitions. Forget Caden Clark. That was a joke. The hottest new acquisitions <laughs> in the New York metro area are Freddie and Marty, two uh, cats sitting on my desk right now who at any moment may get up and chew the cords and announce their presence. But so far, they're our fifth and sixth mic for this episode. So, uh, hello. Other than that, it's... Uh, Rip Peaches Sam and Cork, how are you guys doing after uh, these four points? The new arrival of uh, our new savior, I guess. Uh, Peaches, can you uh, put in the soundbite of Chris Armis saying we're bringing back the full press? Uh, <laughs> because that's what it felt like after watching the game on Wednesday. Isn't Against that Toronto? basically... Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there an interview that basically said that too? 
with someone that I, don't know, I, I, I don't know i don't know i just i just love that that was like a thing uh, <laughs> I, I don't even remember when that happened but it's oh, like early it was, it, was, it was like spring of last year when things were like starting the, to get bad. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the beginning of it. That's like a seminal zone moment. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that is the very beginning of like Armist like realizing like things are wrong and people are getting antsy and he felt the need to declare bankruptcy in the middle of the <laughs> office, you know? Um, but god I, that it but you're right, Sam. Somebody did sort of say I mean Thelwell basically said it, but in typical sporting director fashion he said it over like 60 minutes of combined press conferences and longer quotes you know? way to say it yeah and you know same with with the press releases and i guess this 26 second clip that we've seen of struber so far now i'm sure by the time this gets published tomorrow morning i think they probably will have published the entire interview with Harmon and struber but yeah it goes to show um it, yeah, it, it we looked uh, we looked nice and fluid. I do realize I, I think I may have I don't know gotten a little excited uh, in recapping the game on Twitter that you know it's not like we were you know absolutely battering down the hatches, but I agree, Sam. We looked re- we looked really fluid, especially considering that looking at that lineup when it got released on Wednesday afternoon, I just gave up trying to make sense of it. I just thought there's just so many things going on, I can't even guess what's going on here, and it didn't matter. We looked good. Yeah, I mean, against the best—I mean, literally the best team in the league. Um, you know, even even if you know it's it's you know, I, I think I think just just having like a kind of like a basic you know fight like that against a team as strong as Toronto is kind of what we had been hoping for because you know we had been talking the last few weeks about how yeah like things have things have improved a little bit and it seems like the team's a little little more spry since Armas left, but um, it's been against such a you know, the dregs of the league for the most part um, to finally, you know, do it against a real, you know, a real team in their, you know, quote unquote home uh, away from, from our place is, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in any context, a, a good thing to see, you know, especially good considering we're doing this weird kind of uh, preseason rotation talent evaluation thing. And, uh, you know, seemed like a little bit of like kind of lame duck factor, you know, creeping in the last couple of weeks, especially mm-hmm. after Struber was announced. So, you know, this was a, this was a good kind of like, you know, even without getting the three points, like a good kind of like recharge, you know, result. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, I think we did say something along the lines of uh, <laughs> Toronto will just be more interesting because Atlanta will be just total disaster club. And they lived up to that. I have to say, <laughs> you know, just really, really, it's one of the one of the silver linings. Well, I mean, that's the wrong way to put it. There have been some good things that have happened with the Red Bulls in 2020. But one of the funnier slept on things is Atlanta becoming just an absolute doormat and it being very unremarkable. Like it's it's like barely even worth commenting on how bad they are unless like you're, you know, league media or something. And and or if you're like Steve Cangelosi finding a need to mention every five minutes how they used to have a lot of fans like it, it's. <laughs> very fun they're just just absolutely a disaster and i didn't realize how like desperate their fans are like they're complaining about apparently the call of the week for this episode you know off uh offside screening as though that's like actually what you know lost them the game 
And it's another it's another rendition this week of being being able to laugh and look backwards and be like, ha, couldn't be me. That's not us anymore. Because it's true. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I actually did uh, an Orlando podcast the other night. I don't think it's out yet, but uh, but they 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 brought up like so many different things that Atlanta people were complaining about that I like got confused at one point about <laughs> what which thing they were referencing. I just uh, I, the game. I had no. Yeah, I, I I didn't. It doesn't surprise me. I just hadn't thought about it, but I didn't know how desperately they they'd been complaining about that. <laughs> it just it really reminds me of complaining about time wasting, you know when we were losing games, it's just like, what? It's like, you know, just it's calling it the tip of the iceberg. It does not even do it justice at all. Um, but speaking of the, the offside screening, I have to say, especially in terms of the Toronto game, I miss parts of the, that game, including Drew Yearwood's uh, goal that was called off for offside screening, I believe, and the handball. And the handball penalty thing is is basically the thing that denies us three points here, perhaps unfairly so. Um, although a point's not bad. Not that it really matters, but um, I don't know. Is can you tell me about this? Like what what was up with the handball and then like were we were we was it really cruel that we were denied this goal for Drew? I think the goal denial was way crueler than the handball. Okay. Um yep. the handball was pretty yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think refs kind of got to call that. Even if, if even if the ref hadn't called that, it maybe it would have gotten VAR. I don't know, but because um, uh, like he had, you know, it was a hard shot and it was like a quick shot, but he also had his hand in a completely unnatural position, like away from his body, like maybe protecting his face, but still, just like you can't you can't have your hand like that in the box under like any circumstances. So, kind of kind of got to call that, but. Um, the, the called off goal was really goal was frustrating. Yeah. yeah. And it felt, it felt almost like, you know, like you hear about refs, you know, doing makeup calls and stuff like that, but it felt like, you know, the entire league doing a, doing a makeup call over the course of a, of a week for yeah. garbage that happened in Atlanta. Um, I just, know, like so it, baffling. Like I, like I said on Twitter last night, where it's just like, you know, if you, Oh, it's only in the last week that it seems like everybody's real sensitive about that. But it's like, you know, if, if they, if they called, uh, you know, screening the goalie or whatever on like, they, they could call that on so many different plays and especially yeah. on like second balls coming in off of corners, they would, mm-hmm. they would be able to call that like every fucking time. Yeah. Cause it's always just a mess of guys in the box when it's been cleared off from a corner. Yeah. So also, it literally um, yeah. got called on us in the series with Atlanta and, we've all forgotten it because we back in 2018. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Like we, we understood that's not why we lost three nil, you know, like every, we have a more of a grip than that to give ourselves some credit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a very, it doesn't seem like it should be even enforced as part of the offside rule at all to me. It seems like the point of the rule is really just to ensure that you don't have guys dicking around and purposefully standing in front of the keeper right. and not even trying to play. Just make that a foul and yellow card offense in isolation and then apply it as need be if you're the ref, if you feel like someone's dicking around or, fuck, or something's particularly flagrant. But like making an extension of the offside rule that always gets applied super technically just feels like a huge waste of everyone's time. But 
I regret even being baited into talking about it because it's mm. just like Atlanta is an alternate vision of what we could be right now. Just the way that they're complaining about little calls like that, missing the big picture and the way that Guzan's going up for a, a corner in stoppage time in a regular season game, regular in air quotes. And like, they're all immediately hounding Jair Marufo after the final whistle. Never mind the fact that Marufo is, for years been known as a looser ref that just lets the game go on. It's just really desperate small time stuff from Atlanta. And part of me looks at that and goes, man, that could, that could have been us like that. We didn't fully bottom out like that, but like that, that real, that one game at a time, one game tournament thing that, that could have been us. And thank God it isn't. But Caden Clark, let's talk about Caden Clark. We have not, (laughs) We have not reserved some time for Caden Clark up till now. Uh, the whole contract thing has been of a bit of a B or C plot that um, kind of was awaiting uh, confirmation or like a, a climax for something to actually happen. So kind of took a back, street, back seat to talking about Struber in games. But we have signed Caden Clark, who was uh, on Red Bulls too. Had to do some, you know, allocation money stuff with discovery rights or whatever with Minnesota. But now the guy has shown up and scored two bangers in two games in a row. And kid seems like he's got something. I mean, tell me about Caden Clark. Actually, I know, Cork, that there's been, that OEM has been sort of in the loop on, on some of this contract situation could you fill in the blanks on, on what exactly is here? Like what might be worthwhile to know about, about this? Well, uh, I mean, yeah. So, so Caden Clark, I mean, I'm sure because of the events of the last few days, I mean, a lot of the people, our listeners will, will be at least aware of some of the backstory, but, um, Caden Clark obviously was with Red Bulls too. Uh, I, you know, he had been in training camp with them, you know, before COVID and everything. Obviously, the USL season didn't get started until uh, COVID had already hit. And, um, you know, once kind of on because of, you know, that whole situation kind of under the radar was a pretty, you know, about as big of a signing as you could make for a USL reserve team. He was a guy or a guy call, calling him a guy sounds weird. He's a kid. He's he's literally just turned 17 years old. And uh um, he had been with, he's from Minnesota, like we had mentioned earlier, had been playing in the Barcelona kind of, uh, satellite Academy in Arizona and stood out there enough to get some kind of like semi trials with the actual team in Spain. And then, uh, when those, you know, it was, it was always kind of a long shot that that was ever going to work out, but he's, you know, still had some, you know, some options and we were the one that he went with as far as getting some immediate minutes in, in pro games in USL. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't watch the USL games like religiously. So I couldn't, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who, you know, who, who was, who was there before he was popular, uh, or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, um, he you know, three of stood his up. albums. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I, that's what I was going for. But uh, yeah, his 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 uh, his Discord era, as opposed to his Geffen Records era. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, the um, 
uh, it had done well in USL, had done reasonably well for literally being a teenager against adults. And uh, at a certain point in the last month or so, it became a priority um, from, you know, Hard, hard to kind of parse whether it was, you know, Red Bull Global or, or you know, just the New York operation. But regardless, um, the powers that be somewhat above the USL side had made it a priority to get him signed to an MLS contract. But the obstacle being that Minnesota held his territorial rights. And obviously, um, the the wonderful JJ Post of Once a Metro has been kind of on top of that and curating a lot of that um how how that all played out but minnesota had to had to get a little bit of a bung for his uh for his mls rights and we pulled that off and uh now he is he's the sauce we're seeing it the last mm-hmm. week the um, delay was actually adrian heath sitting there going you stupid silly man i haven't heard that and then everyone had to explain to him no adrian it's all right it's all right that's, exactly that's how it works um exactly and uh you know his his mistake that we're we're reaping i don't know if it's his mistake because i you know adrian heath probably you know uh yeah was 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 only aware of him in passing between uh between golf rounds and mm-hmm. you know steak meals but uh uh yeah but the sound of it in minnesota had had nothing to do no 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 awareness of him yeah. And, uh, you know, I, that's that's a whole thing that, yeah, has been pretty, pretty hotly debated um, outside of the show and outside of the the Red Bull kind of universe, you know, with, you know, Caden, 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 you know, getting getting a national profile now, which we all love. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, uh, it's it's kind of uh, it, it seems like the opening shot across the bow for what could be sort of a new Red Bull strategy, as it appears that uh, MLS is kind of um, loosening up some of those territorial rules anyway, and um, giving maybe giving teams like Red Bull that put more priority on youth development and have more of a kind of pathway and infrastructure for young players to get into the team that they'll start to be able to sort of recruit and pick up elite talent from around the rest of the country and, Mm -hmm. you know, give them a better shot, which I think, um, would be, you know, a a better, a better thing for, for, for the teams, a better thing for, for the American game and all that stuff. And, you know, if Red Bull's one of the, the pioneers and the leaders on that front, you know, that would be nice. Yeah. It strikes me as you're saying this when you're, you know, referring to Red Bull Global or the powers that be, whoever that is, that like we can no even we no longer even have our usual list, short list of names of like Ragnick or Mitchell or whatever. I mean, we know Minslaff is still there as like more of a business guy, you know. I think, um, mm. and uh, yeah, we have this thing kind of that we we're talking about last week, where it does seem like in a lot of more material ways you know, Red Bull feels more in, like we are getting a manager in a way that feels way more substantial than any of the player transactions in either direction, short of maybe a Tyler, which is one thing one year ago. Um, And then now we're getting a little bit more of a a, a targeted, it seems like youth recruitment thing. It's not just a guy who grew up in Wappingers Falls, you know, it's this seems, this seems different. Um, like you, Cork, I won't pretend that I was watching him in USL, but I enjoyed the fuck out of his hits this week. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think the timing feels right on uh, 
as, as we're talking about kind of like the way that MLS seems to be trying to incentivize development for players. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, and kind of the change in COVID. the league COVID uh, bubble, yeah, oh, bubble, oh, yeah, the podcast right. bubble, right? Um, uh, and kind of how how the league itself is, you know, um, yeah, just trying to create itself as the the growth league that it, it's being marketed as right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just been. And it's been fun along the way is the nice thing. You know, this isn't, this isn't sitting and waiting on Tommy Thompson to be a thing for five years. You yeah, know? seriously. It's been fun, which is great. Like it just, he's just banging in banging them in with no regard for anything. And I think everyone will know Royer's reaction when we mention it, like just the way that he put hands to head and was like, <laughs> Oh fuck. That. What? So good. That was me. I, Julia came out of the room. They're on a call while I was watching the game in the other room. They're like, "Did something? Did something good happen in the in the game?" It, it sounded like you yelled and it was good, but I was worried it might have been something bad with the cats. And I was like, "Yeah, no, it was good. It was it was, it was hilarious and it was good." Yeah, there were like but two we were events. There were like two events right before it, um, or not? Maybe not right, but like the two events that I like, I like threw my phone, uh, like flipped it up in the air, just being like, "What the fuck's going on?" Where the the um, the Barlow, um, you know, miss hit. And mm-hmm. the Velo miss hit, and I made a very similar reaction um, when 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 Caden Clark scored. So my little brother, uh, I'm I'm in Saratoga <laughs> with my family. A little brother came in. And he asked if I was okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, fortunately, yeah, it was, uh, fortunately, it was good. And then I tried to explain. And he already had walked away. He's not very interested in the Red Bulls <laughs> <laughs> or soccer. But that yeah, that was delightful. Yeah, even yeah. Uh, even the Toronto keeper uh, Westberg had that had a quote today <laughs> yeah. that was or last night that was just like you know, um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of soccer. I like to see you know good soccer things happen. Would have been would have would have been nice if that hadn't happened. But you know, it was great to be a part of, and I'm happy for him. And it's like yeah, every, everybody's having a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's just everybody's just, having a good time in the fake pandemic season. Why why not just smack the shit out of the ball. Like, you know, Tom Barlow getting frozen up and just hitting the ball straight at the keeper. Have you considered instead just smacking the shit out of the ball from, from 30 yards away in a way that makes Danny Royer go, Oh fuck. I can't believe this is happening to me. Now they know you can just do that. Yeah, exactly. Why don't we just do this more often? It's uh, Almost, it's almost unfair on Danny because he's one of the few guys who has <laughs> done that for us. But it's still, still just such a good reaction. Of just what the fuck is going on? Um, but I hope it continues every single game uh, and he keeps scoring for us and is just more clueless and gives interviews like the Aussie legend party kid. Uh, you know, it's just, just refuses to take off his sunglasses um and just keeps going i don't know you know i i still know anything about the kid and i hope he just i still hope he just continues to bang him in and be in a confused daze and talking shit with tim parker forever and also everyone seems to get weirdly up in arms and angry whenever he scores but i like that he's scoring for us uh and so i love it it's great what 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 is there not to love what if he just scores every game just a banger every game i think he should it's something um, you should consider, yeah. You should just do that. Yeah, I don't know why. 
This is pissing off Fred. Fred has now started clawing at the wires. Evidently some sort of, I don't know, Serginio Dest fan or something. It's got a very, very, Fred is revealed to have a Caesar Sayoc manifesto written on his van somewhere. (laughs) I can see his very strong opinions about youth development, I guess. Um, But man, it, it, it was good to see Clark also chopping it up with Parker. Uh, joke that Parker is great because he's one of the he's like one of the dads of the team. Because Parker <laughs> said like, let's just this is nice, but let's tell him to do homework. We get, the boys, the boys are still back, but I imagine Tim Parker when he was alone sometime later in the night just let out a big sigh alone, in <laughs> letting out a sigh in his shorts in the yeah. in the forty degree weather on his porch. Yeah. And just thought about the numbers. 28's not that old. Marty, you too. Marty, stop. I'm podcasting. Every time, every once in a while, they try to post. And I'm afraid of what they might post. They might post Red Bull out. I can't let the cats post Red Bull out. Um, <laughs> they might post about attendance. Yeah. <laughs> they they uh, might speaking post of about Tim Parker. Yes, Tim Parker's star turn. That's not the right phrase. But return to form has continued. Have we eaten enough crow about this yet? I've tried to eat crow several times. I don't know if it's enough, though. I don't think it's about eating crow so much as just like, damn, Tim. He's looking good. I mean, like, what the fuck was CJ Brown saying to him? Really? I didn't know it was possible (laughs) for a singular person to attack, to, to drain a singular player's form so drastically. I kind Dude, of assumed like, like, like three, yeah. yeah. He was, was, he like, was showing him videotapes of of Chris Wingert. <laughs> yeah, just just do it like Wingert or, or, or Chad Marshall, or Nat Borchers. Yeah, Borchers. Wow, Borchers is one of those guys that I could. I, I think he's probably just blown up his knee. He's probably out of the game, but stayed around way longer than I would have thought. Could be could be thirty five. Could be forty five. Either way, who knows. Um, he's uh, he's announcing at Portland now, I think. Oh, okay. He's he I got injured, him. but he's not the thing where like they accidentally like left a scalpel on his leg and like almost had to amputate his leg, right? That was the other. Oh, guy, I right? think yeah, I think that was I think that was him. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, thankfully we haven't had one of those kind of uh, controversies. Doctor Riley at HHS would never do that. There's hospitals for special surgery, but that is some special surgery, right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't want that. Um, but the other player, and since we mentioned Barlow as well, I, I have to say that um, on that theme, you know, Barlow, Barlow continues to like get these starts. This is his third start in a row, and fourth, either fourth or fifth out of the last six. Um, and because I was trying to like look through and see like maybe are we doing like these two game rotation schedules? Is it just, you know, seeing particular matchups? And I looked at how often Barlow is starting and I thought, you know, this is really this is really more consistent than it isn't. Um, and I think he has another game that I've learned my lesson to not call it a Tommy Redding game or anything. It's not it's not that bad, but he's another game where it's just not quite there. And I can't remember if we've aired this theory on the podcast before or not, but I, I am, I do subscribe to the theory that he might just be a proxy for a type of striker that Red Bull, either Thelwell or Struber, events wants eventually, um, even if he's not going to be it, because it's still just, it, it doesn't seem likely 
to me. And it also seems confusing to me because Jorgensen in the last time he played, I thought did fine enough at making runs in the yeah, same that's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, and Tete, I don't, you know, Tete looked all right, I think. And, and when he gets on, but he, he once again does not start against Toronto. Um, in a way that's like we've seen players come on and be mediocre, you know, that's not really the issue. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I feel like we've all, the, yeah, this, the, we might've been a little too quick to say that Barlow had his Tommy Redding moment, but at the same time, it, it, it I don't know. I, like we're almost yo-yoing. It feels like after watching some of these games, um, yeah. but like one thing that like he reminds me of is, uh, you know, uh, going back to my 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 ever loose Everton fandom is Dominic Calvert Lewin and what he looked mm-hmm. like as a striker for Everton for the like la like the seasons you know season and a half prior to this one uh, where he like you know good like kind of I don't know archetype of like what you know the stri- a striker could be and and I think people kind of liked the idea of him and what he was trying to do and like it he had chances and he, you know, squandered like every single one. And a lot of mm-hmm. people in the fan base were like, this dude's not it. Then you need like a real striker. Um, and he's having a breakout season now because things are all finally starting to work. Uh, and I think that, you know, has to do with Everton's coaching situation too. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if there's a parallel to be drawn there. Uh, but what, I mean, what we are seeing with, with Barlow is that like he has these opportunities and like, he's just not very clinical. Um, which is kind of frustrating, um, but he can put himself in the right place. Uh, yeah. So I think there is like that aspect to it. I don't know if it's going to take like a you know a big name winger to like you know support him and help him out, or a big name coach. Um, uh, but or if ultimately he's too old for this to even be relevant, because how old yeah. is he now? Twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, uh, like twenty five. So, so I, 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 don't, I don't know if, if that, but, but I mean, that's, that's what I see. And for the unfortunate reality is that I think he might just be too old for that to even really be relevant. Yeah. Like exactly. It's like, as, as far as, as far as he, I think Barlow himself, like him, like Barlow, the, the prospect, the individual is like not necessarily the goal in this. And yeah, like you said, Sam, he, he's probably too old, but also, like you said, I think Calvert-Lewin is a pretty interesting comparison because I think, and the way you were describing it as being kind of like do doing everything you want a striker to do and everything you want to see out of a striker, except you know, score and be, be as clinical as you yeah. want. And it is definitely kind of like a confidence thing with strikers. A lot of strikers are kind of late bloomers. And it, it was uh, like kind of comparing um, Minotas at Houston's uh, like early years with what Jorgensen has been doing yeah. here as just sort of like, you know, sometimes strikers just need a little bit of time to like, you know, get, get their groove. And, um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, even, even those strikers are, are, you know, you intuitively think that they have earlier career because it's a more kind of like physical sort of explosive position but mm-hmm. um sometimes strikers are late bloomers um yeah. so um it's kind of kind of kind of have to like weigh weigh both of those those factors in it but but yeah i think i think um that that is kind of like what what even if he's not going to eventually reach that next level and add the clinical finishing to his game, I think like what you're saying, Sam, about Calvert-Lewin is kind of like what they're hoping to see out of Barlow is just um, doing all the things that you want to see 
an energetic kind of physical striker do because they really, I mean, I, 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 I vaguely think that I, I said it on this show last week, the proxy theory. So I might, I might okay. want to grab credit for that, but, um, you know, it's definitely, it definitely is a thing that, um, and if you, if you've been reading once a Metro this week, we've been putting out kind of a series of, of tactical primers on Struber and in kind of our formation, uh, piece uh at the beginning of the week um we note that it's definitely um his ideal striker is kind of a a tall running uh or like you know, a, a a running target man a mobile target man um which those those sorts of players along with the clinical finishing are super rare i mean if, if you're if you're a tall strong hard running striker and you can, you know, finish like Ronaldo, you're a freaking, you know, $50 million player. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. But I mean, um, uh, you know, in, in the more likely event that you have a player that's, you know, just has the first two dimensions of just kind of size and, and, and kind of mobility. Um, that's, you know, Barlow is a good sort of model to work with, even if, you know, the, the edges of his game aren't really, you know, evened out and maybe never will be. Um, yeah. He is, he is a good proxy for this sort of, you know, feeling out provisional moment before Struber really takes charge and maybe gets, um, you know, the team gets some strikers that he, that are more to his preference. Because I think if, you know, and that this is something else that I've touched on writing for once a Metro the last couple of weeks is that if you, if you see, or if you've read some of, you know, Struber kind of, kind of complained a little bit on his way out of Barnsley that he he didn't get the the financial support that he maybe would have wanted and get some of the transfers that he might have wanted. And I think the main position where he might have thought his personnel was not up to the standard he needed was probably striker because um, striker is a pretty demanding position in his system that requires a, you know, a you know, pretty top level, you know, hardworking fit. Um, physical player and uh, um, you know those those guys are hard to come by but you'd like to think that Felwell in New York would be more adept at getting those players right now than than Barnsley was at the bottom of the championship yeah so, Cork, you're saying that basically I still have not hit my peak as a striker yet <laughs> that's exactly true yeah I, you right. could be a Ricky Lambert yeah, I think you work you work on that left foot. You work on you know some of those uh, some of those turns, and I think uh, I think you're you're maybe a League One, maybe Championship level. We'll yeah. See. Uh, okay. Well, Brit saw I can do like eight keepy uppies now, so I think I'm yeah. on my way. Better than Sergio Dest. God, I've mentioned <laughs> Sergio Dest twice on this episode. I'm so ashamed. Of I literally I literally could have done my Barca unveiling better than Dest did. I could have done the keepy. And uppies. you know what? I will. All right. Yeah. Peaches will too. Um, we're, we're just going to use the American Samoa national team to launch ourselves <laughs> into into European. It worked um, for Andre Rios Boas, so right. you know, it could work for me. Um, well, that's a good segue because I did definitely did want to bookmark Struberfest for today's episode. Um, my final thoughts on on Barlow and and uh, White as well as man, I just wish Barlow had an extra step. I think he could get away with a lot more if he could mm-hmm. just separate more. And then White, I will notice, has once again 
play the game entirely facing goal. He really has not done hold up play this year so far, which is, you know, in- interesting. He's not terrible at it. I think it's showed that he's actually a pretty great athlete and versatile player. Um, but it is notable. It's different from last year when we were even sort of beginning to speculate, you know, about whether his hold up play and kind of more generic, well-rounded skill set might've been a crutch for Armis or like how that related to BWP and all that. Like, a lot of the underlying factors inspiring that have, have just simply not been here uh, in in this 2020 season. So I'm I'm curious how that turns out at the striker position. But I I do so I do want to like give a spot for each of one of these five part series in Superfest because by the time this hits tomorrow, part five uh, will be out too. Um, so. Part one, as you mentioned, Cork, was formations and personnel. You mentioned the this kind of idea of the ideal striker um, and kind of his his comments on the way out at Barnsley. Uh, is there anything else in part one that uh, you maybe wanted to pick out? Just like could be could be short, could be bullet, could we could move on to part two if we want to push this. And this is at onceametro.com, everyone. Onceametro.com. <laughs> Refresh it on all of your devices. Uh, open multiple browsers, open a VPN and refresh it. Go to a different VPN and refresh it over and over again. Uh, but yeah, pin it, anything pin else? It to the, pin it to the front of your your Friendster account. Mm-hmm. Um, all that shit. But um, yeah, uh, we've been doing yeah Struberfest. Uh, just sort of a. Um, it was just going to be one article, but we ended up breaking up uh, across the whole week because there ended up being so much content, and we didn't want to miss anything. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, because there's a lot to cover, he's, he's a, he's a pretty interesting coach who's, who's, who's done a lot in just, you know, less than two years of, of professional management. And, uh, um, yeah, I guess the, the main, you mentioned the striker thing. And then the main thing, I guess, in the first part, that's, that's about, you know, formation and tactics is that we're, we're going to see, um, or we we should expect to see, given given what we've seen in the early parts of his career, that we're going to see kind of a a narrow midfield, kind of a either a four four two diamond or kind of a three five two. That's it's kind of fluid based on whether we have the ball or we don't. Um, you know, kind of how the team shapes out like that. Even even if we're playing in the four four two, one of the fullbacks is going to press up very high, and you know, not only you know off the ball challenge the other teams um forwards with pressing but also uh be um a main kind of ball circulator uh the the you know one of the fullbacks is expected to press up high and sort of be a release valve kind of like michael maria or amir maria was for us a little bit um Mm -hmm. here where you know you need that kind of because because a lot of and i guess this spills over into um, some of the other chapters of the of the series is that um, Struber's Struber's once we have the ball, obviously you know pressing is the priority. He's a Red Bull coach, mm-hmm. um, true and true. And when we don't have the ball, you know high level pressing and you know pushing the team backwards uh, more than any pushing the other team backwards is the main point of his press, even more so than than winning the ball immediately. Um, put putting the other team in bad positions is is more the emphasis of his 
emphasis of his press. But um, then once once we actually win the ball, it's a little bit different from what we think of as the usual kind of Red Bull mantra with the ball, which is, you know, just sort of vertical passing and, and just putting it up high and hoping the second balls bounce our way. Um, his version of the kind of direct attack is a lot more on the ground is a lot more based on quick passing and guys sort of being narrow and bunched together and having obvious passing options and just keeping the ball moving as quick as possible. Um, and, uh, with, with that in mind, um, I think we are going to see less of an emphasis on wide play and, and, you know, sort of advanced wingers, um, I think you could maybe read some of the tea leaves into this being the reason why an Alex Mwil left uh, a little bit of ago, a little bit ago. Um, you know, maybe even further back, you can say. I mean, obviously there are a lot of other reasons why this probably wasn't going to happen, but that that Josh Sims was not brought back, and um, you know, and it speaks. And you know, even even if uh, even if like what I'm hinting right now that Struber maybe was in the picture for a while and they were making decisions based on you know, preparing for Struber. Um, this, this lines up a lot with, um, what we know of as Kevin Thelwell, the, the sporting director or mm-hmm. head of sports philosophy, as I've also kind the of written up in one semester. Book, right. Yeah, exactly. That, um, you know, that, uh, it's, it's kind of the way Thelwell looks at the game also that, um, you know, if, if there's one thing to emphasize it, it's just, you know, having, having the team very compact, and you know pushing high up the field and um you know that that sort of follows whether you you know have or don't have the ball um you know so that's that's a kind i guess kind of um my blow by blow um, yeah breakdown of what i will say preparing for struber does have a certain uh (laughs) ring to it uh or sounds familiar um but yeah that seemed to that seemed to cover the well parts two and three with the pressing and defending and attacking and possession very solid but then i know uh for part four i understand that uh he's quite persnickety or, or quite particular on set pieces is that right yeah he he you know we it's 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 their design set pieces but not even as much in the in the gimmicky way that we maybe knew with jesse marsh and to a lesser extent under armas um that we had a lot of these kind of uh you know little dances before actually you know delivering the ball his designed plays are a lot more based on kind of picks and deep runs from from tall players which we know we have guys like you know Aaron Long and Tim Parker that thrive um in in those sorts of set pieces i mean we saw in the the the, the well, that was the first. Was that the first game after Armis left, or close? What, I guess the whatever, first game was the Philly game, but well, the, yeah, the, the DC game, game was the second one. Rikaku. Yeah, that's okay. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to reference. Uh, was um, that particular one that just um, it's based on you know a lot of his you know I I'm. I don't like set pieces. Uh, I don't think <laughs> they should be illegal. They should be illegal. They, there should be, you know, some sort of kind of uh, maybe, you know, uh, spelling bee or rap battle type system to determine mm-hmm. who gets to start carrying the ball again. But uh, 
regardless, you know, I do have to, to live in reality. I do have to accept the conditions as they are. And, um, his, his set piece, uh, if I could, if I could just maybe, you know, boil it down to, to one point, I'd say his set piece design is based on having, you know, one or two players being the designated, you know, uh, you know, boys run to go to go get the ball out of the air. And then everybody else in the team is sort of set on, you know, kind of running picks, um, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of distracting and blocking the other team's defenders. And in a lot of cases, kind of crowding the goalkeeper. Um, right. So, um, you know, he's a guy who, who has, you know, a, a philosophy and a clear kind of emphasis on set pieces without, you know, doing sort of the showy stuff. And, yeah. and as, as we note in the article, um, knowing, knowing, see, seeing a team that's sharp on set pieces like Struber's teams in Barnsley and Wolfsburger have been, um, is usually the best, the best, you know, kind of, you know, public facing sign you can see of a team being well drilled and well organized and having attention to detail from the coaching staff. So, mm-hmm. you know, Hopefully that will be another um, encouraging improvement in the team's play. Yeah, it strikes me when you're talking about crowding the goalkeeper. You know, it does kind of like what we were talking about earlier with screening could be technically called every time if you want, and uh, oftentimes you know on on set pieces as they already exist, just from standard set pieces and standard teams doing them, it often feels like the ref calls a foul, you know, when they like, and, and both teams seem to accept that this just can happen at any time. And you can kind of just call a foul on any set piece. And there probably technically was one. Um, so it does seem like it's sort of a gap maybe in the game and the design of the game um, where you can really kind of push the envelope maybe on, on uh, crowding the goalkeeper and stuff like that. But it's also seems to me an area where like the intangible aspect of like manipulating refs and like puffing out your chest and kind of like, that part of management and like being a captain on the field or just kind of projecting your strength and, and your will on the game come is really important, which as we noted was a noted weakness of Chris Armis, right? You know, it, it doesn't really gel with being like, Oh, come on shucks, man. We're just trying to be good boys out here and play well mm. and like give us more time to, to pass the ball on the ground real nice, sir. Um, so based on what I've seen from his persona on, on the sideline and stuff as well, I, I, I could be, could be a welcoming return to the, to the sideline at RBA. I hope, uh, I, I would like to be a team that's kind of on the front foot and, um, doing those kind of things and kind of pushing the ref and asserting their will on the game rather than Stroop, the opposite. Strooby time. Let's, let's get, yeah. let's make Strooby time happen. Yeah, I, I won't rest until Maxi Morales throws a slice of pizza at Struber <laughs> in the in the dugout at Yankee Stadium. Um, but all right, yeah. So there's, uh, I guess, Article Five, Part Five is coming out tomorrow, right? And that is this yeah. a look at this is a look at his sales technique as a uh, insurance salesman, right? Exactly, his sales technique, his interest in um, different types of kind of industrial electronic music, um, his, his interests in, you know, as we discussed last week, just the most awful swill of Tyrolean wine. Yep. Um, you know, uh, just all the, the aspects of a very kind of worldly 
man that you would expect yeah. from from I I, I was going to say Vienna. I, he, fuck it, he's from Vienna. Vienna yeah. Vienna's the it's only all, place in all Vienna. Vienna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His passion um, for Pomeranian seashells in the Baltic Sea as a child until he moved on to his second career in Torreon, Mexico, running a used computer shop. Classic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I man, was. Um, you thought Blood Moranian was was too much. Oof. All right. Sorry, Peaches. No, I was. I was. Uh, I guess trying to think of a some kind of way to make a joke about, um, like a a throw-ins coach during the set piece thing. But I thought that would be a good segue to talk about. No, that's the kind of bad German. I don't know. It, is it? That's a good point. I mean, oh, you know, no. Well, I, the, I spared you the joke because all of them were bad. Is is why I didn't. Well, make one, one thing I will say we is don't that do jokes. Everything is fucking real here. Okay. Don't. I mean, throwing throwing coaches are even more perverted than than <laughs> saying they're German. It's you know who you know where throwing coaches were first innovated. Denmark. Oh, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. That's yeah, where I, that's where Liverpool's throw-in coach came from. Jesus Christ! Um, the uh, I'm actually I, I I'm unsure how this and this is befitting of Wenger being a, a from Alsace Lorraine. Where how does this fit though with Wenger's kind of latest obsession on the rules committee of thinking about having kick-ins instead of throw-ins? Is that oh, good? Is oh. that the destruction of set piece or is oh. that more set piece? Oh, every 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 fucking plank of that. Wenger, Wenger platform, you know, that they're thinking about changing just makes me want to vomit. But yeah, I would say on this front, I will, the, my rationalization for short corners, at least when they're not really wanky and fucked up, like they have been the last year for us, is when you just do a nice, simple short corner and you get everyone a little rustled out of place and get everyone moving again, it, it, it is better than just whipping the ball in 80 times. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it is still. Yeah. I don't I get frustrated when um we just do a short restart and it's not even like a thing, you know, it's just it's just like well, let's just keep playing. We would do that actually under Jesse quite a bit. It seems like the team was given permission to if they just felt like it, um just kind of resume playing at through a short corner and kind of just working the corner uh without it being like necessarily a called play, but I don't. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't. I don't hate them. I guess is the long and short of it. But we'll go, who are we? Uh, we got. We have a whole week this time, right? Who are we even playing next? Doesn't Orlando. matter. Orlando. 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 The, the future champions. Yeah. Hell. It was nice to just play a new team. You know. That yeah. Felt really. nice. Yeah. It felt. It felt like a nonstop open cup this uh, whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Fucking. Orlando, Cincinnati, Philly, New England. Yeah, Jesus. We, get to, we get to play Chicago soon, right? Oh, that's a but, thing. Yeah, that's the I last think, game we have air travel for, if I recall correctly. I what? thought I saw their logo, so I was like, okay, air travel. Just, what do you mean by that? I think they said that on MSG. That's the last game they would have to travel by air to is Chicago. Oh, uh, I guess that makes sense because I'm looking at it afterwards. It's New England, NYCFC, and and Toronto, um, who is in Connecticut now. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be weird playing City because also when we played City, it was like a ultra like a heightened state of fakeness. Everything felt so extra, particularly hyper fake at that point. And then as we've discussed a lot, the nature of the game was also surreal. 
Um, but hey, it maybe it seems now that it was so surreal that it actually punctured the edge of the zone and pushed us to where we are now. So maybe I should bite my tongue and not bite the hand that feeds. Um, Wait, do we have to play at Yankee Stadium this season? Yeah, I think they're back there. I think it's scheduled to be there. It's going to be weird. Um, oh, man. That's, yeah, this is very fake. If, if you had to... Oh, I actually thought this is good because the premise of this is that we don't know anything, so we don't have to prepare for it. If you had to guess what the standard standings in the Eastern Conference are right now, do you think you could do it? What would you guess? I don't know it either. Toronto and Philly at the top, and then... All the mid-table teams. Oh, Orlando's what, like third. Wow, well done. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and then all the teams. Each is its plan to list the Eastern Conference <laughs> table. Number one, list the Eastern Conference <laughs> table. <laughs> I do think it, what um, Atlanta are near the bottom, though, right? In Miami? Yeah, and what the fuck? That was that's an annoying. I know that it's like their job, and they're being paid to pretend it's real. But like every time anybody on TV is like, "Oh, decision day, the playoff line." Toronto has thirty seven points. I'm just like, who who are you talking about? What are you talking to? Like the Truman Show thing, you know? Just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have decided <laughs> that I want not to the worst because it's just like the. Usually it's just not even important too. Also, there's just like ten teams that are making whatever this playoffs is. Wait, Nashville's in the East again? I thought they got moved west or something. Maybe flat mobs are wrong. I don't know. But Peaches, you were technically correct. Toronto and Philly <laughs> are number one and number two, and then everyone else is after. So congratulations. <laughs> if you had, what what place would you guess we're in? How about that? I'll, I'll force you to answer that, Peaches. Um, like sixth, sixth. <laughs> okay, we're in seventh. Close, but not that bad. We, oh, I feel yeah. like we've been, I was gonna say seven actually, but I, 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 yeah. I was optimistic. We've been stuck for every time I've checked, like thought to check. Occasionally, we seem to be stuck there in like cities, like been like a little bit above us. But like, I'm not bothered because it doesn't matter. What's um, um? What's our magic number to get to the shield? <laughs> <laughs> What's uh? What's the shield picture looking like? I gotta open what, up. What, what are we wrapping that up? Let me go to uh, club sports stat right now. I need to check that shit. Um, let me let me check the ELO ratings on five thirty eight. I need to I need to consult with my friend Fivey uh, Fox and uh, the uh, you know the weird perverted snake diagram that Nate Silver has designed uh, for now. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, I, yeah, so we have a whole week to prepare. Do we, do we, um, Struber's not going to be here by, uh, next week because, you know, COVID and, uh, visas and shit. Um, so sort of more of the same. I don't know if Kaku and CCJ are going to be here. I think on paper they aren't, but we all saw you guys show up and like play the next day. And everything's fake. Everyone knows that. Everything mm-hmm. is fake. So it would be very Red Bull of us to not follow or to follow the fake rules. Um, so can't, can't say with confidence right now, seven or six days out, if they will play or not. I'm going to go ahead and assume they're not and wait to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, 
do you have any any notes or expectations for this game against Orlando, this rematch, I guess? I, I guess it's another, to, to put a good spin on it or a productive spin on it, it's another game kind of like Toronto where we'll play a half-competent team instead of a disaster like Atlanta. They're coming to RBA, right? Yeah, they must be. We were just down there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it'll be a good chance to see how we do... I guess, quote unquote, at home. But, you know, as the more I talk about it, the more I also agree that it's all fake. I, I just want the same energy that we brought to the Toronto game. Like, uh, like I, I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I feel like, as we said, like, it's less about, like, the, the points. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really care if, if we yeah. win or we draw or, or lose. I mean, obviously, in the moment, it stings. Like, shit sucks to, like, see the yeah. team lose. But, but like, uh, you know, you take a step back and you see, like, okay, there's, like, a, a, a bigger picture, like, a bigger project here. Um, mm-hmm. And if we see the same thing that we, like, you know, like we saw in the field against Toronto, I, I would be thrilled. Uh, it doesn't matter about, you know, the result. But I think that, you know, what we did there was, you know, a, certainly a step in the right direction um even you know you know regardless of the of, of the Caden Clark goal yeah I think Caden a- Clark needs to uh to show that he he has the ambition and the metal to uh to keep improving himself and he needs to show show that he he means business by scoring two bangers this week yeah I hope I hope with the escalation of of bangers we also see an escalation of Danny Royer reactions. Absolutely. Uh, Danny Royer's gonna eventually light himself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't fucking take this anymore. <laughs> Guys, you know it would be freaking epic if Caden Clark were on a, a longboard and lip syncing to Fleetwood Mac with <laughs> some Sunkist and not you know and scored a banger while doing that wouldn't that be epic this this was paid for by the u.s military that's fine (laughs) um but yeah that's that's a good point though that that uh in regards to it stinging in the moment i have realized while watching the games that while everything we're saying is true about the literal points not mattering there's there's still some there's still like a level of like uh it's never nice to like lose and like if if we like were to like lose every game and like guys like play shitty here and there like that would actually have a long term detrimental effect. Thankfully, that's not happening anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it if if you know there are to be a couple games where like for instance, dumb people would be able to scapegoat Drew for like a handball or something that would be very annoying. And I hope it doesn't happen. Um, thankfully, though, doesn't seem to be the case so far. Um, but you know. Uh, the Rebels also hired some wonder kid dickhead. He's 26 years old. Burned Eibler. Which it's Burns Eibler. It's Burns Eibler. You know, we've been thinking about the uh, the uh, conversations of like when Armis arrived or like when Patel arrived and, and talked to them and just kind of, man, I'd love to be a, a, a fly in the wall for some of these. But don't you just hate it when you're just fooling around on your google drive and you're like where did all these fucking files come from who's dropping all these things here who's organizing what what is this and then all of a sudden i was looking and i had a recorded enormous file that just said p underscore benjamin uh 10 1 do not read and i i opened it and would you believe it it was it was the recorded zoom call of natasha patel meeting burned eibler and uh gerhard struber you think we should listen to it 
I, I, I just would love to because I think. You know, <laughs> I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna. Anyway, I can down. just I can recap it for you. We don't have to literally listen to it, but it just basically starts with Natasha going, "Oh, you know, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, so, oh, yeah, sorry about that, sorry about that, uh, Mr. Hestru, but I thought I was on mute." And Mr. Hestru but pauses and says, "Yes, don't no worries, Natasha. Mute is a curious condition, isn't it?" Natasha's like, "Right, well." Uh, so, well, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm just really chuffed to like actually talk football with someone, you know, Mr. Struba. It's just, it's been a big real uh, relief. And uh, then she pauses because all of a sudden behind Struber's head on the Zoom call, it's just a guy awkwardly standing in the corner, inching forward, doing the Kubrick stare. And Struber goes, ah, yes, uh, pay no mind, Natasha. I've hired a new video coach analyst trainer as we say in german uh his name is burned he's been very poorly socialized i found him at the bottom of a well during an evening walk in forest in thuringia he had marked on the cobblestone grid pattern of the well a series of acadian seeming markings and at first i thought it was some sort of sublime horror and cry for help until Suddenly, I realized it was something even more remarkable. It was the full actuarial table of the entire Volvo fleet and expected depreciation rates of all the vehicles within. I knew right then I had to hire Burns. He is quite unsociable, however, but he is also quite good at calibrating my TV settings, so I'm not sure if I regret it. Patel's doesn't know what to say to this she's like right well um he said oh, you know natasha i used to do some video analysis analysis and statistical analysis myself when i was selling insurance i was once kidnapped by some catalan separatists who demanded gunpoint the the actuarial tables for a five eight man from rosario and how Told he might shrink if they gave him a certain steroid use. I did not tell them. I instead was able to explain the declining rate or tend for profit to fall, the rate of profit to fall. I do regret it. I don't believe they committed themselves to historical materialism at all. Uh, Patel still doesn't know what to say, but just says, right, uh, Cheers, uh, Herr Struber. Uh, you know, um, so anyway, I, uh, I put together a dossier of uh, the different uh, analysis and video packages and sent it over to... Ah, uh, yes, Natasha, I received your, your um, how is it, uh, zip file and had burned extract all of the documents for me. Thank you for your thorough documentation. But Natasha, this, this video file... You, mu- you must never watch this video file. You must destroy it, Natasha. You cannot watch this. It will be a white elephant in your room. And Natasha said, uh, Mr. Shuba, I've, I've, I've been on staff for a whole year. I recorded the video. I, I, I was there. I saw it. To which Shuba just said, Oh my God. Oh my God. And then the, the Skype thing cut off. 
So that that was Struber uh, meeting Natasha Patel, um, and uh, I, I there's rumor that part of that dossier, video dossier, uh, was also the matchstick videos, including Chris Harmis telling everyone we're going back to the full press at a <laughs> fan appreciation day. Um, yeah, so that's 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 Gerhard Struber, uh, insurance salesman extraordinaire, and uh, Bernd Eibler, the maladaptive uh, savant um, from a well in Turingia who it's unclear if he speaks or not. Um, I'm excited for them to work together and to augment the performance analysis team. What do you guys think? It's great to have such a friendly group of guys coming into the club, you know, after after all these years of, uh, of kind of, you know, a little bit of separation between the fans and the team. Yeah, very friendly. I also imagine Gerhard said about Caden Cluck, I want to see the baby um, <laughs> or something like that. Something, the Red Bull. Peaches, you got it. You got a clip. Him, he said the Red Bull in the video they posted, not oh, in yeah. the Skype video that I was air airdropped by Pat Benjamin, but in the actual video that they uh, posted. So, but I, I did see. I think someone had clipped that. I can find it. Oh boy! But oh yeah, I mean, I um, I had watched a lot of Werner Herzog episode or things. Who the fuck Japan. is that? What? No, I mean Who's that. He's he's just a he's. Uh, oh, it's a film thing. Okay. Yeah. What about him? You'd watch. Oh, I, I just think he has a, a very uh, similar voice of sorts. That's so weird. Is he from? Is he from Austria? That must be the accent. Yeah, I think sure. maybe it's um, yeah. It's not particularly inspired by anything. It sounds a lot like uh, like a scene from this documentary I watched about Jurgen Klinsmann one time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's a whole other thing that we don't need to sidebar into but <laughs> i'm going to live outside of la <laughs> why he wouldn't be saying that i don't know i can't remember how his his voice but yeah that's that's a great point i'll have to look into that that documentary um to learn more about elite uh training of youth goalkeepers um should we leave it for then Till next time, go do your reading, everyone, on onceametro.com. Onceametro.com. Uh, if you email us this week, I'm sorry. I was preoccupied reading Skype calls, uh, but it's contact at viewfrom202.com if you want to do that. See ya. Hey, Thank you.